Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Oral Sessions. Uh, thank you for joining me again this week. I know we've been off to a hot start with some amazing guests here, and we've got another great guest this week here on Oral Sessions. We recorded this episode uh, about two weeks ago, so it's been in the can, and today you guys finally get to hear it, my sit-down interview with the one, the only, the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson. Before we get to that interview, um, of course, I would like to um, just take a moment to talk about Brody Lee. The news of his passing absolutely rocked the world, uh, especially the wrestling world, much like the rest of you guys listening. I would imagine my days have been spent just scrolling through Instagram and Twitter and reading so many different people's beautiful messages about him, his stories about him, memories they have with him, whether in the ring, out of the ring, on the road, touring. Uh, I mean, I feel like the the bottom line is end of the day, we all just kind of come back to the same thing that, that Brody Lee was one of those really special human beings, a friend to everybody, such a good guy so warm and welcoming and love to play pranks on everybody. And you you read the stories about him stirring the pot, taking control of the locker room. He was just one of those faces. You were always so happy to see such a good guy, such an amazing talent. The big thing that I take away from all this as well is just what an amazing family man he was to his wife, Amanda, to his sons, Brody and Nolan. Just such a, a such an outstanding guy. You know, when I think of Brody, I've just been thinking about it the past few days of like, you know, you, you have so many moments with people backstage when we were in WWE together. You spend so much time together with everybody there. I mean, they are just woven into your fabric. They become your family, uh, whether it's just, you know, passing people in the hallways or sitting down with them and catering or, you know, traveling between towns, whatever it may be, uh, just that family bond that you get amongst the wrestling community is truly unlike anything else. So when I think of Brody, I think back to, um, I think, oh God. <laughs> so I think back to this time, <laughs> this is the very first time that I was going to be hanging out with John, my John in Orlando. So we had been, you know, kind of talking to each other, which we thought was very secretive and we didn't think anybody knew. I especially didn't think anybody knew. Um, and I was very nervous about it. I was flying to Orlando at a taping at NXT and was on my way there and ended up on the flight. Oh, <sighs> sorry. So on the flight, I get on the plane and I just happen to be sitting between Brody and Zinkara. Truly some of the like biggest rubbers in the business. And I didn't even know this at that time because I was so brand new. I really barely knew either of them all that well. But I'm sitting between Brody and, and Zinkara. And I think nobody knows that John and I maybe have a bit of this budding relationship romance which is stressing me out. Oh my God, this guy that I am like totally head over heels for. I'm going to meet him for the first time. He's coming to meet me in Orlando. We're in neutral territory. Oh my God, what's going to happen? The stress level is at like 10. So I've got Brody on one side, Sankar on the other, and the entire flight 
It was back when people still had WWE magazines, by the way. And they had, I think it actually started with Sin Cara, but he had the WWE magazine and they just kept passing it back and forth to each other, like right in front of my face, inches from my face to any open page that had the shield in it or John Dean Ambrose at the time. They would open any of these pages and just like talking about the shield, like what they thought of the shield. And I'm just like, first of all, I'm like the biggest dead giveaway when I'm like nervous and stressed. And I was like probably beat red trying to laugh it off. Little do they know. Maybe they did know that John was coming to meet me. I don't know. But they were definitely like privy to the situation and (laughs) did not help my stress level at all. But yeah, it was just one of those hilarious moments of sitting between those two dudes thinking that I was pulling off something really sly and just really excited and nervous about it. And these two are just like rubbing it in my face. Little shits. Of course, John and Brody go way back. I mean, that was so early in our relationship. I, I didn't even know the depth of the relationship of those two. Anyways, Brody, we love you. We're going to miss you so much. Um, I... We'll be thinking about your family forever and uh, constantly checking in to, to see how they're doing. But so happy to have known you and happy to have called you a friend and happy to have spent time with you getting to know you. So oral sessions this week, Michelle Waterson, the karate hottie. Again, Brody, a huge MMA fan. I'm hoping that he would appreciate me getting to sit down with Michelle Waterson. She is an absolute badass you know, everything that she's been able to accomplish in in UFC and Invicta, being this outstanding mother, all of these incredible accomplishments. I was so happy to sit down and talk with her and just get to feed off of her amazing positive energy and her outlook on life is is really incredible. So we are going to get down to that in mere moments. But first, oh, but first, we must talk a little cereal here, my friends. You know, growing up, For me, one of my favorite things ever was pouring a gigantic bowl of cereal with some very cold milk and digging in. This was long before I ever had to worry about carbs and sugar intake and all that junk. So now here we are, what, 25 years later, something like that. And we've got this amazing invention, a fun little thing called Magic Spoon. This has been an absolute game, a game changer in the world of cereals. It's kid cereal for adults. That's what we need. We're all being a little bit more health conscious. We have to. So there's zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. Four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. They taste absolutely amazing. Um, I was really into the cocoa once for quite some time, but now I've sort of deviated into the fruity. All about the fruity. They're incredible. You guys cannot go wrong with these. They're keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. I cannot stress this enough. You guys are absolutely going to love these. So what you guys can do is go to magicspoon.com slash Renee to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Renee and use the code Renee for shipping. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, let's get down to it. We've got the one, the only, the karate hottie, Michelle Watterson.
you can say whatever you want. I swear like a trucker on here. It's so funny because, you know, my daughter grew up in the gym and so she's so used to adult language. She just, she knows that's what it is. She doesn't cuss herself, but she just knows that's adult language, you know? And so people, they, they cuss in front of her and they're always like, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, she's used to she's it. She heard it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that's actually something that my husband and I've been talking about. So I'm pregnant right now with our first kid oh. and I swear so much that I'm like, but I don't, I, I kind of am with you that like, I'm just going to keep swearing, but how yeah. do you teach them to not swear themselves? <laughs> um, we, <laughs> That's a fine line. Actually, I have a funny story to that. She had just started talking. She probably had to been a little bit over two. And she was in the back trying to buckle up her own car seat. And she was getting so frustrated. (laughs) And I was like, I love where this is headed. I was like, what's going on around? She's like, I can't fucking get it. How do you not burst out laughing? Like you must have died laughing. I was like, Cause I could feel her frustration and that's the, that's the word that came to her mind. <laughs> she used it appropriately. At least she used it accurately. Yeah. <laughs> I started laughing so hard and I said, here, baby, let me help you. And that's I said, I so know it was funny. frustrating, but you can't use that. You know, you can't use <laughs> adult language like that. You know, I said, but you actually used it the right way. And so I told her. <laughs> you get extra, you get extra secret points for that. <laughs> I even tried to get her to like, you know, that song by Lizzo where she's like, I throw my hair back, clip my nails. Yeah. Baby, how you feel? Feeling good as hell. So I will sing the first part and I go like this to get her say as hell and she won't do it. <laughs> you've taught her well then. That's a fine line. I mean, I feel like you've really nailed that. Then she knows the yes and no of what she can get away with. Yeah. And I just think understanding where it is appropriate, you know, to talk like that when you're with your friends, you know, and there are no adults around and you feel comfortable enough around them to have those kind of conversations. That's cool. You know, but when you're around adults, when you're around your teacher, you know, understanding your social circumstances, I guess. So my mom always used to, when we were kids, say I like stubbed my toe or I fell and hurt myself. She'd go, okay, you have one minute to say whatever you want to say. <laughs> You know, you start off with just wanting to say like shit and fuck, but then it just escalates because you're like, well, I'm not getting the reaction out of those words that I used to get. So now I got to find some new words. It's a slippery slope. Your mom would give you a leeway then. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. Well, my mom swears like a trucker too. She turned me into this monster that I am now. So but anyways, you know what? it is what it is. My doula, when I was pregnant, actually told us this really interesting study about how we relieve ourselves of pain. And she was saying that they did this study of people that cuss when they hurt themselves versus people that didn't and held their breath or, you know, bit their tongue. And she said the people that cussed had a sense of relief, like 80% quicker than the people that held their breath. Do you keep that in mind when you're fighting? I really don't talk much during fights, but for sure in in labor, I was huffing and puffing (laughs) and screaming and making weird noises. (laughs) So where does labor rank compared to being inside an octagon? You know, when I fight, obviously for me, um, the biggest battle is the battle against myself. You know, obviously the opponents there, the opponent changes, you know, their, their skills, you know, and what they bring to the table always changes, but I'm never going in there to try to, you know, one up my opponent. I'm going in there to overcome something internally Pregnancy is like the hugest 
symbolic fight of uh, not, not even symbolic I would like actual fight you know of your <laughs> life <laughs> yeah so, that's literal as all hell the difference with pregnancy and a, a fight is that you know in a fight there's there there are regulations there are judges there's a ref you have coaches and at any point if you feel in danger you can tap out you can say I'm done when you're in labor you have no option but to follow through. You cannot escape. The pain will always be there. And our doula, she taught us to embrace the pain, to, you know, to fight through the pain and to, to focus in on the pain to get you over each contraction. That helped me in labor and that's helped me in fight. You saying that now, I'm like, I wonder if I could hire Herb Dean to be my doula. I feel like he could be good in there. <laughs> I feel like you'd be like a comforting force inside the, inside the, the labor room. Dean's like, are you okay? Let me know if you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tapping, I'm tapping, call it, call there, it. There was a time I wanted to tap for sure. Cause I, I told my husband I wanted a natural water birth, you know, yeah. it was just, I, I wanted to know that I could get through it on my own. You're a bad bitch, man. There was a point where I was like, I can't do it. I need the drugs. Give me the drugs. You know, and he was like, babe, just one more contraction. Just one. And he kept, t- I don't know how many t- how many contractions he told me. And then finally I started crowning. And then I was like, well, here we are. She's here. <laughs> there she is. Um, okay. So Michelle, right off the bat, I just need to kind of, you know, go for the elephant in the room here. I mean, UFC 257 right now, you're supposed to be getting ready for Abu Dhabi for uh, Amanda Hebus. What? happened here? I know you, you got, you got pulled from that fight. I mean, you can answer this or not answer this, but what, what happened there? There's a lot going on internally. We're having family issues. It wasn't even a choice, honestly, you know, family comes first, you know, the fight can wait. So. Absolutely. Well, good. You got to make those decisions. And like you said, it's not even a decision. It is what it is. Family's Mm -hmm. first and the rest falls into line when it can. All right. I just wanted to address that elephant in the room. Now we can just talk about fun stuff. Let's go back to your Hooter days, sister. (laughs) So I know plenty of girls that used to work at Hooters because in the WWE world, several of those women would waitress as Hooters women. They would see WWE up on the screens and they're like, damn, you know what? I think I could do that. And then it led them into finding a tryout and whatnot. But how was that journey for you working at Hooters, trying to pay your bills? I know you were, you were, I, you know, It was great because I could still go to college at the time when I was still pursuing getting a degree. My hours were flexible and I was making enough money to pay my bills. And it was the same when I started to pursue fighting. I trained during the week and I worked on the weekends and I made my money so that I could pay my bills and save up for whatever else I needed. So that led you into an MMA ring girl, right? I mean, it kind of all like mashed all at the same time, but it was like, you know, you know, I tried out for the Hooters calendar. I went on location to shoot for the calendar and we were like, where'd you guys was, go for we that? We were like, and then Virgin Islands, it was the coolest thing. And Dream. so when we were in the Virgin Islands, um, I met a guy named Howie and he owned a company called bikini.com. He got to talking to me and we found out that I did karate. And he was like, I would love to feature you on my, you know, website. And on his website, he featured different girls each month. He was like, we can theme you the karate hottie and we can do bikini shots and karate shots and it'll be awesome. And then, yeah, it stuck. Like the first promoter asked me, you have a fight name? And I told him no, but then he Googled me and and that's what popped up. 
Some people have like some kind of trash ring names. Yours is insane. It's so good. It's such a good ring name. Um, okay. So when you're going to school, did you have a scholarship through theater? Yeah, it was a partial scholarship. So I was double majoring in theater and sports science. When you go from like mom mode to all of a sudden your ring, your entrance music is playing and you're making your way out to the octagon. Is that when like sort of like theater mode kicks in? Or are you just going, no, I'm actually going to war right now. And this is bad bitch mode. When you're preparing yourself for a certain role, you try to encompass it to the point where you, you know, it is a part of you, an aspect of you and, and fighting, um, is an aspect of me. You know, I don't show it too often because it's not the majority of who I am. You know, I, I am very loving and compassionate and, and easygoing, but there is a side of me that wants to punch people in the face and inflict damage. You've been a stunt woman too. You were Natalie Portman's stunt double in Thor. Is that right? Well, I wasn't her stunt double for the entire show. They had like, um, they call it like utility stunts. And so like, so when they need like a pickup shot of something that they missed, like during filming, they they hire somebody and I was local because they're filming out here in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. So I got to do one, one of her stunts in one scene. I was pregnant at the time that I did that stunt and I had no idea. I had a harness on and they wrapped me and I was hooked up to a crane and I was laying down. And so they ratcheted me up in the air. So it's supposed to be like a green screen where the monster comes out the water and like hits Natalie Portman. So they like ratchet me up in the air. So I go flying in the air and then boom, I hit the ground. So I did that a couple of times, pregnant, not knowing. Oh my God. How far along do you think you were then? You know, honestly, I don't know because... When I did finally find out that I was pregnant, I was, I was already into my second trimester. Oh, wow. Good for you. That's impressive. So I guess you weren't sick or anything. You didn't have to oh, worry about any of that stuff. You know what? It's funny because I, I went and had drinks with my husband one night and I can handle my alcohol. I had one margarita and I was not feeling good. <laughs> and the next day I threw it all up. I went out. When you're pregnant, you, your senses are heightened, like yes. at the next level. I kind of shrugged it off as a hangover, but it was the weirdest thing because I only had one drink. I was actually on the couch having cocktails with my husband. I was like, I'm just going to take a mm-hmm. test just to see. I'm sure I'm not pregnant. There's no way. I had no symptoms. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> shit, I am. Whoops. <laughs> hey, now it turned out positive. <laughs> shit. Yeah, it's crazy. But even like the heightened senses, I'm constantly like, my husband will like take off his shoes. I'm like, you got to get out of here. I don't know what's going on with you right now, but you got to leave me and my nose alone for like a a hot minute. (laughs) That is so funny. It's crazy. Okay, so going back to, uh, so you're a ring girl and you mention to, was it the promoter that you were like, hey, I I have a background this and he just sort of shrugged you off? Yeah, I think he probably took a look at me and, you know, didn't think twice, you know? And so I just think a lot of people, you know, they look at me and they don't, they don't, they can't fathom that, you know, I'm a professional fighter. You must still struggle with that sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. People still, yeah, it's still like a hurdle you have to have to overcome. I wouldn't call it a hurdle. Like it's, it is what it is. I'm like, yeah, I'm a fighter. Just fought on. Not my fault. I'm hot. What do you want? (laughs) I'll also kick your ass. Well, I just tell people all the time. um, And actually, there are a lot of very good looking women in the UFC now, you know, so nobody ever told George St. Pierre, why is he a fighter? Why did he like model for Calvin Klein? Why isn't he an underwear model? And yeah. so it is. Take you seriously. But Donald Cerrone overheard this conversation and he came to track you down, right? 
and he was one of the fighters for that promotion actually. And he, he came, he came to my work and I wasn't there, but he just, he left a note on, on my, the bulletin board. And he said, if you're serious about fighting, get your ass in the gym. Wow. That, so what was your first training session with him? Like he invited me like a community center, like swap meet type thing. And so it's basically like whoever wants to come and spar, they bring their gear and you go and, and they turn the timer on and you just do rounds for an hour. So that was like your first kind of test with those guys. So did you guys, you and Donald just stayed in touch after that. And has he always been sort of a, a guide to you throughout your MMA career? Big influence Donald had on me was just at the very beginning of my career when I was really tentative and shy, you know, I have this martial arts background and a lot of traditional martial arts is very like by the book. And it's, you know, you have to, you know, go step by step by step and, um, fighting. It's a different world. I was in a place in my life where I I was unsure. Like I knew that I wanted to do it, but I I just wasn't sure. I kind of was just like floating and trying to figure it out. And Donald's attitude about the whole situation, I think is what launched me to the next level. Cause he was kind of just like, he just had like a fuck it personality. Yeah. You know? So he was like, so what you lose and you know, if you lose, you know, so it's kind of like, why are you putting all this pressure on yourself? Yeah. You know? And I was like, do I quit college? And he's like, you can try it and see, or you can just never do it at all. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You're either going to flip that card over and take it for a spin or not. Mm -hmm. I feel like people with fuck it attitudes generally have like, I guess, depending on their line of work, but I just think that leads to success. You take out some of that self doubt and it's just like, focus on what you want to do, regardless of what the outcome is going to be. Absolutely. And that's life. Like if you don't ever experience failure, you haven't been living life hard enough. Totally. 100%. So you can't be scared of failure. I think so many people are, and and they'd rather just not do it all together than fail. Like, no, like, you know how many successful people have failed? You don't know that because you've only seen their successes, but I'm, I guarantee you out of the one successes that they have had, they've had a thousand failures. It gives me a little bit of anxiety thinking of people that are afraid to try new things because they're Mm -hmm. so worried to step out and they're so worried of those failures. Like, man, you're just not living your life. What it's a shame. It's mm-hmm. so sad for me that people have that outlook sometimes. Um, what is the locker room mentality and sort of the camaraderie amongst the women in, uh, in just an MMA and UFC? I think that women are more territorial. This is Dougie. Oh, buddy. <laughs> oh my, is he a great Dane? Yeah. Oh my God. He's so handsome. You cut it out. His girlfriend, the, the neighbor's the neighbor's dog is is walking, so she's he's sending trying. out her pheromones his way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fortunate in in the fact that I have a very strong group of girls at the gym that I'm at that are you know level headed and care and have become my sisters. That's hard to find anywhere you go. You have to create that culture. Like it, it it's not something that just happens. The culture has to be created. And, um, we definitely been able to create that culture where when you come to the gym, you put in your time, you put in your work, you know, you put your head down and you grind it out and you become accepted. You know, it, it, if you come to the gym with any other intentions, other than to be the best fighter, other than to be a champion, you're not going to last because you just get weeded out, you know? Like, I feel like, especially just the sort of the culture of 
women feeling like, like that territorial thing, like you said, it's, I think for the longest time, there's always only really been so few spots available for women. And as that is starting to change, I feel like that is sort of changing the relationships amongst women as well, being like, okay, there's not just one spot for one girl. We can create space and support each other in different capacities and whatnot. Even though we have a team, it is an individual sport, you know, and at the end of the day, you know, if there is somebody in my weight class gunning to get to the top in the same, you know, promotion that I am like, you know, how do you handle that? You know, and, and even move bitch, (laughs) get out the way. (laughs) And so you are right in saying, you know, it's kind of like, I always tell people it's kind of like that, um, that movie or that series my dad used to watch, you know, when I was a kid, the Highlander, it was like, there were these small set of people in the whole world, but there could be only one, you know? (laughs) Yes. Highlander shout out. I'm so sad. My husband's not here. He would bust in the room and sing the theme song at the drop of a hat. It's on his workout playlist. (laughs) But it's true. It's like, you don't want to take him out because you know, you know, you know, that, like I, I always tell people, I have the utmost respect for all, you know, all my opponents. Cause I know the struggle and the time commitment and the dedication it takes to step inside the octagon. But at the same time, it's either you or me, you know, the best way that I can respect you is to give it my hundred percent and try to beat you. Yeah. And, and I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't. That's a valid point. You can't, can't do a disservice to them by just letting somebody have a walk on or trying to be nice about it. My Canadian ass would suck. I'd be like, you go ahead. It's fine. It'd be terrible. Um, I, I find yours and uh, Holly Holmes relationship to be the cutest thing. I was like checking out your Instagram. You guys are on there doing like some TikTok dances with John Jones. How'd you convince him to jump in there and get those dances on? He bombarded onto our... <laughs> Our girl time. We were yeah. having we were having girl time. And no, no, I love John. And he was just like, oh, let me get in this. And we're like, yeah, John, get in that. So, <laughs> I I really do love Holly. She's such an amazing person. And you know, in inside and outside the cage, she's taught me so much and she's just become such a like a vital person in my life, you know. I I guess you must have like a relationship with your daughter and everything, right? When I first moved to Albuquerque, it was, uh, was how long have you been in Albuquerque? Um, 12 years. Oh, hell yeah. What an underrated city, by the way. I love Albuquerque. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's a cute little town. Yeah. definitely. It's not little, but it's not big either. So yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a charm there for sure. She's the first one, like from the gym that I talked to about being pregnant. Um, she made my daughter's first bed set. She like oh. quilted a bed set for her just, just a couple of weeks ago. My daughter just finished reading, um, little house on the prairie. So she had prairie day and she wanted one of those like little prairie hats. She asked me the night before I said, baby, I can't just go to target and buy a prairie hat. Like, sorry, <laughs> yeah. it's not in style. And I called Holly and Holly's like, let me put something together. And she like straight made Araya a little prairie hat to wear to school the next day and dropped it off and everything. Women are so fucking cool. Like they just crank out so much shit of like, I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to make a prairie bonnet. I'm going to do it at the drop of a hat. Like it truly is impressive. Like all these different hats that women get to wear. I think it's so cool. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. So you were Adam weight in Invicta and then come over to UFC. Do you think that there should be an Adam weight in UFC? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like what they say, if you build it, they will come. There are girls out there that are martial artists that are aspiring to be on the big stage. 
and you give them a stage to perform and they will perform. You know, Dana White has, has seen it time and time again. I know that, you know, at one point in his life, he didn't believe it, but I'm telling you now, like the returns on bringing women into the UFC are, are, are tenfold because, you know, I think just as, as, as women, we wear a heart on our sleeves and it's hard to like disconnect emotionally from what we're doing. And so when we fight, you get to see that emotion and people become attached to these fighters because they, they know it's not just the fighter. It's, it's the, who they are and their story and, and all of that stuff gets shown within those, you know, 15 to 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. So even just looking at like the weight cuts for you, I just find weight cutting. It blows my mind the way that you guys even do it, especially for women. Is it, do you think as women, it's harder to cut weight? Yeah, sure. Because naturally, you know, we are meant to retain more water. You know, we have, you know, the, the, our bodies are made to, to, to get babies and, yeah. you know, and to be able to nurture babies and, and to be able to survive for long periods of time. So, you know, with that being said, you know, we hold on to more fat, we hold on to more water so that we can, you know, survive and live longer and, and nurture and take care of our babies. And so, and then you include the periods and, and all of that stuff. Yeah. And so it is what it is. If you want to fight and you, you know, you, you got a weight class, then you got to make the weight. <laughs> oh God. It just seems so grueling. I mean, do you have, I mean, obviously you have a system down pat, but like, what is the routine that you get into when it's, you know, say you're dropping, you know, 10, 15 pounds, whatever it has to be to, to make that cut. For me to try to go on a diet, I'm like, Lord help me. <laughs> but you're you look great. <laughs> Thank you. But I also ju- like normally drink a bunch of wine and eat a bunch of chips. So. <laughs> it's a slippery slope with that too. <laughs> um, I usually cut between 15 and 20 pounds, and and so I give myself about an eight to 10 week window so that I can do it in a healthy manner. The first eight to nine weeks, it is all diet. And I w- I'm not saying diet in the sense of cutting your calories because th- that's not the, the case at all. You really have to amplify your calories, but really focus on what kind of calories you're intaking, you know, upping your protein and making sure that you're hydrated and all those things, making sure that you're eating the proper things and fueling your body so that you can, you know, work harder, burn more calories. Cause it's just going to be, it's just like a, you know, a snowball effect. The more you eat, the more energy you have, the more energy you have, the harder you can push, you know? And so. It's just got to take such a toll on your body. I mean, your whole job obviously takes a huge toll on your body, but like, what, what about like the mental side of that? I feel like women, we're just so hard on ourselves as it is looking at our bodies. I mean, I know you're coming at it from an athletic standpoint and point of view. I would imagine I was listening to an interview earlier just with a, a singer and he was talking about doing a Calvin Klein ad and how he got in the best shape of his life. And then it was in his head that he's like, well, now I always have to be like this. I have to look like this all the time. Is that something that you guys ever struggle with? I'm sure. Uh, I'm, but not I'm, for you. Oh, yeah. For, for <laughs> <laughs> Tell me your secrets. I don't think there's a person in this world that doesn't have things that bother them about themselves. Do you know what I mean? I think the secret is, is to just let those thoughts come and then let them go as quickly as they come. I always tell people like when my abs come out, I'm like once in a blue moon, they're like uh, uh, wolverines that only come out. When, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I've accepted that. And, and I love my body when I'm out of camp and um, I love my body when I'm get, stepping on the scale. I think, the more important 
part to all of that is, is that I have a healthy relationship with my body in, in both circumstances, you know? And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know, when I'm not in fight camp and I do put on extra pounds, is it because, you know, that's natural? Am I eating healthy? Am I eating not? Am I strong? Or, you know, because I think sometimes um, you can just as easily, you know, abuse your your own powers in, in what you what it is that you ingest without even knowing it. And 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 then it, one day you just you wake up and you realize that, you know, you you've done all these horrible things to your body and, and now you're mad at yourself, but you're the one that did it, you know, and yeah. so it's a balance because you have to enjoy life. You have to be able to drink wine. You have to take days off, you know, especially, you know, when you're super busy and this and that. And so I, I think it's super important to enjoy life. I don't think it's, um, for me, I think that as long as I feel strong and as long as like 80% of the time I'm being good to my body because I'm giving it the proper feel that it needs. And the other 20% is kind of like, you know, um, being nice to my taste buds. With that Donald Cerrone, <laughs> fuck it attitude. <laughs> Give yes. me what I want. <laughs> it's exactly, it's like, I mean, life is too short not to enjoy, you know, all aspects of it, but it's, it's about balance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so back to some baby talk here. So 2011, you give birth to your daughter. Mm-hmm. What was going through your mind um, just sort of during that time of figuring out like, hey, I'm having, a, I'm having my, my baby daughter. I'm a fighter. Did it ever enter your mind of like, maybe I can't go back to doing this. Maybe my body won't bounce back. Like what were some of the things that you were going through at that time? All those things you know, all those things. I never been a mother before, you know, I was 25, just getting ready to hit the prime of my, my career. And in the fight game, your career is very short lived anyways, you know? So it was like, I was pregnant and and sitting on the sidelines and I was watching all these girls, you know, get signed to this promotion. And then Dana White opens up the, the UFC to women's roster. And, and here I am just, you know, growing, sideways (laughs) sideways <laughs> yeah yeah right as wide as tall yeah, like, it, yeah. <laughs> so doubt uncertainty um fear all those things creep into your mind is it will I still be able to will will I still be accepted will I have time will I want to will I be good enough all these things creep through my mind how hard was it physically to get back into fighting shape after having your daughter like how long did that take you I took my first fight back after I had a rare when she was 10 months. Oh my God. Wait, weren't you still breastfeeding when you stepped back in the ring? Yeah. <laughs> your boobs must have wanted to fall off of your body. Like they must have been dying. You know, it's so crazy. The human body is just such an amazing, amazing thing. It will adapt to whatever it is that you put in front of it. Yeah. And so the first couple of times for sure, like when anytime I sparred, oh God, it hurt. Like, and I, I, I couldn't compare it to being like getting kicked in the balls, but I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that's probably what it felt like Sure, but on your boot, on your chest. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine. So we've had, we've had a lot of break-ins in our neighborhood <clears throat> recently. And the other night I'm laying in bed, I'm like, somebody broke into the house, like for my body to go into flight mode. Cause right now for me to jog my boobs want to fucking die. I would need someone chasing me with a weapon for me to like really run down the street now. <laughs> Just like really kick me into high gear. Cause I couldn't imagine that pain. Um, something that I find really cool that, that you do and that you and your husband do is having your daughter at ringside for every single one of your matches. 
was that an easy decision to come to, to let her see you in that environment? For me, it was. I was raised that actions speak louder than words, you know, and I wanted to be an example. I didn't want to have to say, you know, go after your dreams, do this, do that. Don't let anybody get in your way. I wanted to show her mommy's going after her dreams, you know, and, and you're a part of the team. I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I've done after I had my daughter, if it was for my husband. Yeah. And you know that, I mean, that was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about. It's like, it seems so cool to me that you guys were able to, cause he was a pro boxer, correct? Mm-hmm. So he's doing that. You guys are together. You're working towards your goals. He's doing his, but it seemed like it made more sense for you to focus on what you were doing to, to go pro and really give that a shot. And then he could kind of help with more stuff around the house and want to help take care of your daughter in the way that he does. It wasn't that it made more sense that I went pro. It was that I think he felt some sense of responsibility. I, he's like, you know, sure. he's Mexican and he's like machismo and he's like, so yeah, yeah. he's like, you know, he's like, I'm the man and I'm going to take care of you guys. And so he sacrificed yeah. his dream for my, oh. <laughs> it's nice to have those good guys in our lives that step up and, and take care of things like that. It's really cool. It's very, very cool. And you, you guys still train together. He's in my corner and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> because he's so mean to me. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> he's not mean to me, but it's hard. It's hard to have a coach that's your husband because, you know, when they say something to you, you take it a different way than when your coach says something to you. So we've had to, we've had to adjust and learn and grow. And it's only brought us together. You know, it's only brought us closer. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know when I was like, reading some interviews with you and like just doing a little bit of research before I popped in here. I'm like, man, I don't like, if that was my husband and I, my, my husband is a professional wrestler and I, you know, worked in the wrestling world with him, but our, we never had to work in that capacity together. So I often wonder how that works with couples of them to just like butt heads or if they're all on the same page the whole time. Cause like, whether it's a battle of ego or the physical side of things that get in the way or like just the, that those relationship lines crossing of like, wait, you're my husband. You can't talk to me like that, but also you're giving me this valuable information and maybe I should just listen to what you're saying sometimes. Exactly. That's, that's, that's <laughs> what it is. And I have a sports psychologist that's really good at, you know, keeping us communicating. And so um, it's, it's been really good. So, yeah. Give me one second. Awesome. I'm going to plug in my, my computer. Okay. Charge it up, girl. I just want to talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, it, it's been great. It, it, I, I do say it's harder, but I, I think anything worth having is majority of the time going to be hard. <laughs> Ain't that the damn <laughs> truth? Uh, so does your daughter have aspirations to step into the octagon or to start doing some some karate training or jujitsu or whatever kind of appeals to her? Uh, I don't think so. Not not at the moment. I, I you know, we did have her in MMA classes for a while, um, but um, she, she became overwhelmed because she was doing MMA and she was also doing gymnastics and she was in, you know, school choir and Girl Scouts and and, um, just a bunch of stuff. And so she, and we're like, you're too young to be stressed out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Honestly, we yeah, yeah. Just, pick one and she picked gymnastics and we, we, we said, all right, let's go. Perfect. 
How do you switch from fight mode, train mode to mom mode? Cause that is just, I know like in your head, it's one thing to switch, but it's also just like, you know, you look at the way that the people that aren't parents or the way that men are able to train separately from the way that women are able to train. It's just like, that just seems like such a full plate for someone to take on of trying to get in as much as you can during your work day and then switching into to parenting mode. And it seems like you guys do such a good job of that, of, um, you know, like I said, even just having your daughter ringside and teaching her like some really valuable life lessons. I think if you want anything bad enough, you find a way to make it work. Um, and so I just, after I had my daughter, I realized that, you know, my time was precious and that I had to figure out a way to, um, make it, conducive in my, with my schedule, you know what I mean? And so, like I said, it does take a team, you know, if I didn't have the team of of people behind me, I I don't know, I wouldn't be able to do all the things that I, that I have been able to accomplish. But when I'm training, my mind is on training and that's where all my focus is. And that's where all my attention is. And that's my priority. And when I come home to my daughter, my priority is to be mom. So, and, and that's yeah. just what I, I, how I've been able to separate it. It's like, I need to give my hundred percent when I'm in training and I need to take advantage. Like I can't, I can't lollygag for two hours. Like, like I used to here and there. It's like, I come, I get to work. I take advantage of that whole full hour of, of training every, every second of it. And then after that I go home and I, and then I mommy, you know. It sounds like you must get good night's sleep. You have like, you're doing so much stuff that by the time you hit that bed, you must just be like out cold. It's crazy because when she was younger, it was a different set of problems than now she's older, right? Because when she's, when she's younger, it's like, okay, well, we have to teach her how to walk and I have to, I have to be careful for her running into things and running onto the mats. And I can't, you know, I have to make sure that, that she's fed and that, you know, um, that she's warm and she's not getting sick, but the older she gets, it's like, Oh, like, so the problems that I run into now is I'll have to make sure that I'm taking her to school on time. I have to make sure that her homework is checked. I have to make sure that, you know, she's doing okay in gymnastics, that she has a good, uh, group of people around her social life. So like, it's like with, with every stage, some things get easier, but then some things get harder. The work is never done. It's absolutely never done. Um, so for some very simple things, what TV shows are you guys into right now? What are you guys binging in your household while we're all in lockdown? <laughs> Our family loves to watch Survivor because it's just something we can all sit down and watch together. And, and we talk about, oh, he should have done this. No, I can't believe they blindsided <laughs> him. And like, no, I wanted her to win. And so our whole family gets to sit down and watch Survivor together. And it's cool because we can like almost strategize ourselves and be like, well, what would you have done? Would you, have, you know, would you have done this? Would you have done that? Um, so we love watching Survivor. My daughter and I have been um, binging on Mandalorian, the Mandalorian. And my husband and I, I mean, there, there are quite a few different things that we, we like to watch. But um, obviously, we love Breaking Bad. We loved watching Dexter. We love watching Ozarks. Um, Oh, I'm so pissed that they canceled Ozark. What a mistake. That show's amazing. I can't believe they canceled that. I can't believe it either. Shame <laughs> on you, Netflix. Shame. <laughs> yeah, there, uh, there's there's quite a bit of good um, uh, series. That I, I love to watch the 100 um, because there's a lot of really cool, strong female um, leads um, 
within that episode, within that season or all the seasons, really. Well, maybe their casting agents are listening and they can book you a spot. <laughs> it's time. In there. What about music? What are you, what are you listening to? Um, you know, I think that my family, like all of us, we, we really listen to a lot of country because, you know, um, uh, it, it's something I grew up listening to hip hop and, and, um, and rap and stuff like that. But like, I think just as a mom now, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe they said that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Did I listen to this stuff when I was younger? And I just like, I can't, like, I can't fathom like letting my, you know, my daughter listen to yeah. like, singing like WAP and, and being like, yeah, girl, you get it. Well, like, I, I think we're so much more informed than like our parents would have been to the stuff that we were listening to. Cause yeah, I listen to stuff back. I'm like, Oh my God. Like I even remember listening to like jagged little pill Alanis Morse set and she's talking about uh does she go down on you in a theater my mom's like bitch what <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know what it meant but i yeah. was saying the words i had no idea what that meant mm-hmm. but we're really more informed now as to like we know what wap means yeah well my my husband's mom didn't she was like what is wap and it <laughs> did you explain it to her did he it was just like, you should Google it, mom. You should No, We said, oh, it just means waffles and pancakes or something. <laughs> good cover. Good, good cover. Um, okay. So if you are into rap and hip hop, or that's what you listen to growing up, if you could have any rap or hip hop artist rap you to the ring, who would you go with? I would do Tupac for sure. Hell just, yeah. And he, I think he was much more than just a rapper. I do think like, especially towards the end of his career, it was like, so much more of a philosopher, I think, on life. I think he did a lot of introspective, you know, thinking and, and it came out in his music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, you look back at the career of Tupac and the legacy that he left behind, and that's something that would like forever leave an imprint on our society without question. Mm-hmm. He's incredible. Um, okay, so my final question to you. We're wrapping up. This is my last interview of 2020. Do you have any final words for this bullshit ass year? I would say to take it as a blessing, you know? Oh, okay. Because like I said earlier, um, anything worth having is usually hard. And I think so, so many of us in life try to shy away from and flee from the pain and the hurt and, and the sadness. But without all of those feelings, we wouldn't be able to enjoy the happiness and, and, the, and the smiles and, and the joy, you know, and you have to, you have to take the good with the bad. Um, and so if you can take this year and allow it to, to be your foundation for whatever it is that you are, are, are trying to accomplish, you know, tomorrow or next week or for your own future, allow it to, to, to be, to be your armor, allow it to, to be, you know, it's like when, when you break your hand, um, when your body heals, it calluses over and it strengthens your bone. And it's the same thing in life. You know, when you experience, you know, hardships and adversities and challenges, those experiences callous over and, and harden you so that you're prepared that much more for whatever it is that you have to face in the future. That was so much more profound than anything I could have possibly said. You're dead on. I think that's absolutely accurate. It's very easy to just be like, ah. Oh. This year has been so bad, but you're right. You look at some of the things that we've been able to get in the sense of being able to slow down, maybe um, rethink certain aspects of our lives and things that maybe weren't working for us when we're in this rat race that we've all had to be in before. It's nice to have the world literally make us all stop and pause and, and recollect ourselves a little bit. 
Well, thank you so much for joining me. It was really a lot of fun getting to chat with you. I'm going to call you and Herb Dean when I go into labor. So get ready for that one. And uh, best of luck to you and your family in 2021. I hope you guys had great holidays and all that. Thank you. It was was such a fun podcast. I appreciate (laughs) you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. so much for joining me again this week on oral sessions a huge shout out to michelle waterson for being so generous with her time and sitting down with me and being so open and honest and uh you know i just think it's so cool um for her to you know just talking about what's going on with her life talking about her relationship with holly Holm, talking about what it was like for her to bounce back and get back inside the octagon i mean for me sitting here at four plus months pregnant, uh, wondering what my life on the other side is going to look like. I really appreciate getting to sit down with a badass chick like Michelle Waterson and knowing it's all going to be okay. going to bounce back. We're going to get shit done. We're going to keep moving forward. So yeah, I really love being able to sit down with her and thank you guys for listening again. Big shout out to Magic Spoon yet again. They have been absolutely outstanding. Love me some magic spoon these days. I've got such a sweet tooth. These cravings with this baby are next level. Normally I'm all about savory foods, but lately, oof, this sweet tooth is incredible. Um, you know, I've been trying to cut down on certain carbs and sugar and unhealthy foods, trying to keep everything healthy for myself and just trying to stay on top of everything. So this has been a great alternative for me. There's zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. There's four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. They taste absolutely incredible. They're honestly, I would say, too good to be true. Um, They're keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. All of the flavors are going to rock your world, but right now, I'm very much into the fruity flavor. Give me all of that. That's like my middle-of-the-night snack to sneak down and Get some good crunchy cereal with some cold milk. Oh, baby. All right, so go to magicspoon.com slash Renee to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code Renee at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they're going to refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash Renee and use the code Renee for free shipping. That's R-E-N-E-E-E. Uh, all right, guys, I will see you next week. I think we're going to maybe do a, a Q&A session, maybe give everybody a little bit of a breather here. So I will be sending out some tweets uh, about that and take some of your guys' questions. And I'll be answering them on the show next week. Thanks again. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye.